This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Kaspersky Total Security. Kaspersky Labs' award-winning internet security software gives 400 million users the power to protect their banking, browsing, shopping, and socializing from dangerous online threats. Get 50% off Kaspersky Labs' premium software. Go to kaspersky.com and use code PCPER at checkout. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. Uh, after some technical difficulties, we're finally ready to start off episode 412 on August 10th of 2016. I'm Jeremy Helstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peake. And as you can see, Ryan is off gallivanting across the pond. He's in London, so with any hope, he is drunk, passed out with a half kebab next to him, which he will wake up to tomorrow. Possibly on the toilet, possibly not. We don't know. We don't want to know. But if you do want more, uh, if you want to know when we kick these shows off so that you can capture all of the wonderful fun that we have trying to tech support ourselves as Skype, Windows, and various other programs come up with brand new problems for us each and every week, you can subscribe to us uh, on our little handy spam list, which is pcper.com slash subscribe, and we'll send you a quick little email letting you know when this show will happen, a variety of other things, such as oddly timed QuakeCon uh, podcasts, or even giveaways and interviews with technical experts. You'll get the email, and you'll know when we're going to kick things off. Maybe it'll be a 19-hour live stream as we drive to QuakeCon and forget to turn off the stream in the hotel room at night. Maybe, maybe. Uh, There were some mysterious noises that you are more than free to try and identify. You know, we did a 12-hour stream. They said a 24-hour couldn't be done, and <laughs> As it turns they almost out, did it. Just make it audio only. As it turns out, you can just sleep through part of it. Right. And people will stay tuned. Maybe we're so they were sleeping, too. Who sort of, knows? Yeah, we're so good at it, we don't even notice we're doing it anymore. It's, it's almost shocking. And if you like this sort of quality content and you want to listen to road trips of these lunatics wandering around or Josh cursing at his system... You can follow us, uh, you can donate to us on the Patreon page at uh, patreon.com slash pcper. We are currently up to $2,282 per month. Thank you very much, the 406 Patreons, which have passed us a couple of bucks. Uh, without Ryan, we don't have access to the Twitter feed, so while you can still tweet him obnoxious usernames as you're donating during the show, he's still going to have to read them, we just aren't going to get to hear them out loud, unfortunately. So win some, lose some, next week, who knows. So since we're running ridiculously late, and sadly almost all of the news this week is about storage, we're missing Al, so we should be able to wrap this up relatively quickly, because uh, uh, he's about been posting a lot of content. But not so much uh, here with us to read it. Up to and including, if you deal with long-term storage in a large scale, how would you like a 10 terabyte Seagate Barracuda drive? It's, it's not too bad. And for everyone who wants to start screaming, oh no, spinning rust is dead, flash is all the way to go. I dare you to try and convince somebody for long-term dead storage to pay for a 10 terabyte SSD that sits there. It isn't going to happen. Well, 10 cents a gig, I mean, that's not too bad. Yeah, but what's the pricing on this thing? Uh, I don't think it was much... I mean, uh, well, they're saying five hundred dollars. 
So that's awesome. <laughs> so it's uh, five about cents five a cents a gigabyte. So when you're talking long-term NAS drives or when you're doing uh, the sort of thing that this is intended for, which is enterprise-level usage, being able to hunk one drive at 10 terabytes apiece on a single SATA connector means you can expand your data storage significantly. Uh, this is using the new Helium stores that they've got, but uh, I really encourage you to go and read that article, which I honestly haven't had a chance to read yet, um, if you're at all interested in high-density storage, because there are some interesting little tricks that they've pulled on this one. Yeah, the read, like if you sequential, like if you look at Alan's review, sequential performance of this drive was very high. It was the highest of the group that he tested, except for the Red Pro. Yeah, well, specifically for NAS. Yeah, but the the max was higher. His sequential was almost 100 megabytes per second. Uh, or, I'm sorry, that was the minimum. His average was 189. So, very, bad. very high. And like, that's for like a, a SATA like 3. This, you're probably going to be doing big uh, file copies anyway. You're not really going to be using this for random access. 189 well, no. megs, that's like a X25M. Yeah. Yeah, for that sort of uh, purpose, it really truly is and that's honestly probably what you're going to be using it for so hey before you discount the uh, hard drives and say they're dead believe me i'm still working with tape it's good for certain things godspeed hard drives have their own place too and maybe we can upgrade what, what things would those be jeremy i think that would it be uh, uh capacity and that's it and just dirt cheap, and it's solid. Oh, we just well, yeah, store it true. securely, and unless the entire body place burns down, it don't care. It's still going to be good. And it's even cheaper than this drive. So that's enough about a uh, hard drive that, honestly, a lot of our readers aren't going to do. On the other hand, how would you feel about the brand new Asus Maximus 8 Extreme Motherboard? Extreme in price at 500 bucks, but it also has an incredible amount of features on it. Uh, the price also nets you uh, what they call the OC Panel 2 device, which is a completely separate device which sits on your desktop and is a fan controller, voltage monitor. Uh, it it ha- can put your system into sleep mode, uh, slow stuff down if you're trying to do extreme overclocking during posting. So... That alone actually sort of helps you understand why the motherboard is so obnoxiously expensive because, I mean, the Z170s have been out for a while. It's kind of hard to sell a flagship board without some extra features. Of course, this one also does have quite a few extra features on it. It takes a long time, but up to... uh, On the slow end, you've got your two sex ports, but otherwise there's a U.2, there's an M.2 PCIe 4xi on it, which can both be used. Uh, the LN2 mod, the LN2 mode jumper, as I implied with the uh, slowdown for the boots during the OC. Uh, it has three Wi-Fi antennas, uh, Bluetooth four. Uh, the vast, mer- the long list of like memo case, safe boot, uh, direct key, uh, clear CMOS, the two LED or two dis- character LED display for troubleshooting. So overall, like it's got just about everything, sadly, up to and including their RGB disease. It does have one of those. It's optional. Yeah, you can turn it off. 
I feel like at, at this price point, you'd have to have it because you have to have every feature yeah. imaginable to justify it. At this point, I'm surprised my microphone is an RGB. Oh, I man. will say I'm surprised it does that, not have dual nicks. That's the next million dollar idea. Yeah. Microphone RGB. We'll have to get on that. I'm a ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. His hand is up Sarah. there. Uh, no. So I didn't let the the UEFI, uh, as you would expect, is beyond inclusive. Uh, if you want to do it the very quick way, they've got easy mode, which allows you to do essentially what you used to be able to do on the old school motherboards, where you didn't actually have that much options, or the advanced tabs, where you're doing bicore overclocking, playing with just about every single thing that you can on this. Uh, the CMOS placement, just to give it away, is in between the first and second PCIe slot, which, while unfortunate, doesn't necessarily mean too much to Mori because when he took a look with his favorite cooler, there is no way you're actually going to fit a GPU in that first slot with his wonderful Noctua. As you can wah, see, it's wah. not a good angle. I mean, this is an expensive motherboard. Who would put a large cooler and try to cram as many GPUs in it as they possibly could? That's a very good question. That would be ridiculous. I, I, and I would stick with Morian saying that, you know, that is a bit of a drawback to this. Uh, it, although it does, uh, I should mention, ship with the shim for the new processors, so you probably won't crack your new core. It's also got an insanely heavy-duty mounting plate on the back. Uh, as far as the benchmarks went, uh, as you would expect, it sits impressively on the top of the one of the other 170s that he's tried by the margin of error that you would expect from the exact same chipset being tested. On the other hand, stability-wise, it wasn't too bad at all. Uh, to jump over to his overclocking conclusions, he got up to uh, 4.6 gigahertz with a 4.5 gigahertz ring bus and memory clocked at uh, just under 3.5 gigahertz without any problems whatsoever. Fairly decent. Uh, as well, just to wrap up, he mentioned that he, it does have Intel Gigi network controller on it. Good if you can actually take advantage of that and say don't live in North America where internet is perhaps not everyone at Josh's levels, but a lot of us sort of at that level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, apart from that, I mean, it pulled off a gold award because of the huge amount of features available on the board. The drawbacks were, as we mentioned, the BIOS battery placement. And, of course, that $500 entry tag is a little steep, even though it is partially mitigated by th- this nice little OC device that it comes with, uh, which comes in two modes. Normal mode, where it's essentially the size of a multimeter, and extreme mode, where it's just a small little LCD just to let you know. But now for the moment, everyone has been waiting for. Sebastian's pictures. Because you know, Sebastian takes the best pictures ever. Especially when they're sexy heat sinks. Because macho Sebastian big, big is reviewing Le Grand Macho. You should really be more excited when you say that, Josh. Le Grand Macho. Now put some facial expression into it. No. Yeah, you're wooden, Josh. Come on. That's what my wife says. I, I, I oh. thought it was a compliment for a long time. So, 
the Legrand Macho RT, and the distinction is that this is the RT because the Legrand Macho is an existing product and it's just the heat sink. So basically, Thermalright took that passive heat sink, which they market as like a replacement for a stock Intel cooler that can keep your system running at stock speeds with just the normal airflow without a fan. They, they add a high-performance 140-millimeter fan to the mix, and now you have a new product. It's $79.99, so this is right at... If you were looking not at the D15 that Mora uses in his pictures, but the one before that, you can still buy a Noctua D14 for 79 bucks on Amazon most of the time. Are they like Klingon kind of inspired names? What? You know, Klingon D10 Battlecruiser. Do, 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 do I, people have, have you ever watched Star Trek? Of course I've watched Star Trek. Lies. But I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Where was I? Um, the fan, the big heat sink. So it, it looks impressive. It's huge. I have a picture of it attached to a mini ITX board because I thought it was funny. Because when I looked at it from above, I almost couldn't see the board. Who are you, Brian? But, he was giving away mini ITX cases and gigantic heat sinks at QuakeCon together. That's funny. Nice. But That's it didn't pose any clearance issues because I, I will say the footprint of this, I tried it on two different motherboards. The footprint of this thing, it's it's very tall like the there are seven heat pipes and they keep it lifted just enough that it stays over the profile of any standard ram not really tall heat sinks or anything so i didn't have any it looks clearance like it issues should at be all. off balance it does it look like it would be off balance in fact it is off balance without like... the fan ah uh, okay if you didn't attach the fan the way that i did it fell over and i couldn't take photos of it <laughs> I saw one of the comments said are you sure you put that on right like they said did i have it on backwards uh no because the back of the heat sink is smaller than the front of the heat sink. And then the, you could put it on the sides. You could really put it anywhere you, the fan anywhere you want. But I chose this way because it was the most like symmetrical, I guess. But in any case, the airflow was the same. And it was a push configuration, as you can see. Ooh. But. You know that you know if you put a speaker in front of that and put Maxwell at the bottom, <laughs> it totally makes sense. It would. Yes, it looks like that. It looks like a giant fan or a giant speaker. No, no, it's you know the the guy who's sitting in his chair, and his his scarf is blowing from the speaker. exactly. And so if you look in the profile of that picture, Ken, working on it. <laughs> You're so slow, but yeah. we love Ken. Ken's frozen too. Oh no! All videos are frozen. There, see, you know, pretend he's sitting in the seat. You see, seated on a CPU. Zero Josh, dynamic. Josh, you have a vivid imagination. I see things in clouds too. Oh, interesting! <laughs> yeah. Like a doggy and like a goose. Well, are you sure you want to ask that question, Sebastian? No, I don't. I'm sorry. More like Chirons, and well, never mind. Anyway, it comes with a really nice hardware kit, as you can see, including a screwdriver, which is nicer than the screwdrivers I own, and some of the the nice thermal paste that they sell. So the, the hardware kit, the product itself looks fantastic and seems very good for the $80 price tag. And it comes with one of those shims, too. So if you're worried about your thinner Skylake substrate, it comes with a plastic spacer to kind of even out the weight distribution under the uh, clamp and 
I, I don't honestly think it makes that much of a difference if you're very careful about pressure on the CPU, but you, we've seen evidence of these things being bent, so it's nice that they include it. If you're buying and, something called Le Grand Macho, I don't think you're very careful when tightening down heat sinks. Yeah, it, it's, it's big, but it's 900 grams, which is not the hel- uh, heaviest heat sink I've ever heard of. It's still, you know, that's not counting the fan. So it's well over 1,000 grams when you have it all installed. So I can see a little bit of concern, but it has a really heavy mounting system. Not quite. As beefy as what Noctua sells with their SecuFirm 2. But this thing went on pretty nicely, and it felt rock solid when it was all done. The only kind of odd thing is the hole in the top of the heat sink. You have to sort of fish down there with your screw on the end of the screwdriver to get it in there to actually attach the other side of the uh, CPU plate. But that was easier than I thought it was going to be because the screwdriver that is included is magnetized at the end. So it held the screw captive and I went right down and it was fairly easy. You do have to go kind of back and forth and tighten it down evenly unless you have a second screwdriver. But I didn't have an issue getting it nice and secure and level. And I didn't have any kind of clearance issues at all. So once I had that bracket installed, basically, you're, you're ready to go. And I took it right to the test bench. And the performance of this cooler, even as I retest all of the coolers I have here with a slightly different test methodology that I'll begin my next cooler review with, still, against everything else I've done the way I've been doing it, the only thing that beat this with at least you know my stock Core i5, which is not that challenging of a test, still, it took two closed-loop solutions, high-performance ones, the Corsair H100i on performance mode, which is the much faster fan speed and the max pump, and the uh, EK Waterblocks XLC Predator 240, which is a super high performance all-in-one that's actually made out of individual components that are pre-assembled. And then right behind those, we have the little Grand Macho, keeping it even under stress where I'm literally throwing a like a torture test with Prime 95 at it. And it held it to 31.3 C over ambient. And ambient in the room was varying between like 22 and 25. So I always do individual readings on that. But still, like never seeing it go above like 55, 56, even with the room temperature being around 78 degrees was very impressive under stress. And then it, it did it so quietly that I had to redo the noise testing over and over again to get it to register anything above ambient. And ambient in the room was 33.8. So the low is 33.8 because I couldn't hear it. Uh, And it wouldn't register anything on the noise meter. So under its fastest fan speed during my tests, it got up to 34.2, which barely audible. You will just hear wind noise. You will hear turbulence from the fan blades and if you put your ear close to the heatsink, you'll hear the rush of air against the heatsink itself, but that's about it. So extremely quiet. You're not going to hear this inside of a case. If you have the room for it, given the design of this not posing really a installation problem for me anyway, uh, and I don't think it really would even with taller RAM heatsinks because you could, you could mount the fan in a different location on this. You could reorient this. I just happened to have installed it the way that I did. But very, very impressive for the price. I gave it the Editor's Choice Award. 
I have not completed overclocking testing with this. I'm going to do an update with my big air coolers and just kind of do a roundup and see how this goes with a like 4.5 gigahertz overclock at about 1.25 volts and see what that does on this Core i5. Hey, you know what I'm most disappointed about with this cooler? What? They didn't call it the Grand Nacho so that in English it would translate to the big cheese. Next iteration. Just let that sink in. Oh, I get it. Let that heat sink in. (laughs) Oh, you missed it. (sighs) The joke dissipated. Yes. Oh, (laughs) we scraped that one off like the bottom of a. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not not going to go there. The grand night. Hey, everybody. Time to take a quick break and thank today's podcast sponsor and make you really think about the idea of internet security. This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is sponsored by Kaspersky. Uh, Kaspersky Lab protects people from the real threat of cybercrime. Uh, it happens every day. Ask Delta. I don't think that was cybercrime, but I'm just saying you're, you're never sure, right? Kaspersky Lab internet security software has participated in more independent tests, won more awards, and placed first... That's important. First, more times than any other internet security company. 400 million users around the globe are using Kaspersky Lab Total Security uh, to protect their browsing, their shopping, their socializing, any of the stuff that they really do online. And that's, that's important. You want to make sure you're covering all of your bases here. Uh, they provide a special offer of 50% off of the premium software, the Kaspersky Total Security Package, 50% off. It gives you online protection when you're on your PC or your phone or even your tablet. Protect your banking, your browsing, your shopping, and your socializing, which I guess is something other people do when they have when they have free time i don't i don't really know but protects you from these dangerous online threats go to kaspersky.com that's k-a-s-p-e-r-s-k-y.com use the code pcper at checkout all one word p-c-p-e-r at checkout to get 50 percent off of kaspersky total security and we thank kaspersky for their support of pc perspective back to you so how about that slightly better Xbox? I I don't know what that is. What the uh, Xbox One S? It's pronounced the Xbox Once. Oh, is it? it okay. Like well, okay, it was English, Xbone before, so is it just Xbones now? Yeah. Plural. Xbones you. I'm a gym. I'm a console, not a Blu-ray player. So they made it smaller. It's, you know, the front of it it's, looks it's, like it has a speaker the, on it. The absolute opposite of Le Grande Nacho. It's true. It's smaller. It's more efficient. And how did they uh, do that, Josh? How did they do that? Well, this is strange thing called uh, Process AMD Semi What they do is they take orders from people like Sony, Microsoft, and they uh, go ahead and design things to their specifications. Once they do that, it's all downhill from there. The people take it and run. They pay them some money, and they go and fabricate these products and show on processes of their choice, namely TSMC 16 nanometer. So, but you get Josh, an Xbox One. But, but Josh, I on thought AMD 16 nanometer. I thought AMD GPUs were on 14 nanometer. That's right. But you know what? 
They just design the things. They don't fabricate them. They don't make the way for orders. Why would you want to do that? It's all liability from there, especially if you're dealing with global foundries. So, Sony, Microsoft, these guys, they go to TSMC. It's a known quantity. It may not be the greatest thing in the world, but it's not bad, and it works. So, we've got Xbox One S on 16 nanometer TSMC, and apparently it is fabricating well. Take with that what you may. Compare contrast to global foundries. See what you come up with. But you know, at least AMD has an out if uh, things go really south on 14 nanometer process. Which we all hope and pray will not be the case. Yeah. Please, like, please get it right, guys. It would help. So moving along, we've got a couple of uh, interesting uh, bits of information from the uh, storage. Uh, what do they call that right now? FMS. Flash Media That's Summit. It. Summit. So Alan is currently summiting and presenting many posts, some of which we almost comprehend. Uh, for instance, uh, Universal Flash uh, store Standard is something that we've talked about a little bit before. And it replaces the utter freaking nightmare, which is EMMC, which is currently being used on SD cards and various other small storage platforms. And change up to and including your smartphone, more or less. And we're replacing these with proper flash memory with a standard that's being brought across just about everything. So no longer are you going to be dealing with insane formatting commands and optimization to make stuff work. It's also going to significantly increase your capacity and most likely your speed. In fact, up to the level of a current generation SSD because that's the flash they're using. Uh, In all cases, uh, they're going to be in 32 gig uh, chips. I don't see that he put uh, the package size on them, but you can be pretty much sure that they're going to be tiny. And anything else anyone remembers off of this one? Other than I misinterpreted what FMS stood for, but oh well, we should probably not go I'll into do. that. Oh, and there it is: thirty-two gigs of sixty millimeters square. That's, that, that's not a lot of millimeters. Wait, what? Thirty-two gigs, sixteen millimeters square? Six zero. Well, six, six zero point two one seven. Yeah, that's better, but still, it's that's, still tiny. It's impressive. Your 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 base model cell phone won't be 32 gig anymore after this. At least I can't imagine. Can only help. Unless unless it's an Apple product, and then it yeah, and then you gotta yeah. buy some space from them. In the and besides, this is Micron. It's not OWC. So hey hey hey, Apple's the only one putting real storage in phones. <laughs> uh, their phones are uh, NVMe, bro. Yeah, the yeah. phones are. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, is it their own special NVMe? Well, of course, it's Apple. <laughs> Did I even ask? Mm. Uh, as well, uh, we finally saw a little bit of info on Xpoint memory, and the, the the slides pretty much speak for themselves. It's a wee bit faster. 
Yeah. Uh, in theoretical cases, uh, I believe it with the uh, Q depth of eight, he was seeing 1.8 million IOPS from a single card. So seven gigabits a second worth of core K random performance, which is uh, more or less what they were promising. You know, they were they were boasting around you know thousand time improvements, and well, it's it's not quite there yet, but it's certainly at least an order of magnitude better. Ten times is nothing to sneer at. We don't know what the prices of this is going to be, uh, so that U.2 device could be a little bit obscenely expensive. We we, we can kind of hope that it's not the case. I I don't think I can count as high as that drive will cost. Yeah, it's it's going to be impressive, even the 32 gigabit one. But uh, considering the IOP difference, uh, you're actually going to run into two things. One is this is absolutely brilliant if you are running a hardcore database or a server with multiple hundreds of users simultaneously. If you're loading up a Doom level, it's going to be hard to justify that extra cost because honestly, you're going to shave a couple of milliseconds off. And those last couple of milliseconds are going to cost you a pretty penny. Well, think about it this way. The value is high because Alan was saying the number is somewhere around a thousand times uh, higher bit level endurance than regular yes. NAND flash. So even if it costs a thousand times more, it'll last that much longer. <laughs> in theory because you know storage uh, standards actually last more than a couple of years like, uh obviously look at josh he's probably still using sata one on his computer that's why his video is frozen exactly. no, he's, he's on a parallel ata drive he's a maxter 20 gigabyte drive the hell's yes. wrong with the tappy is that not good enough for you anymore no it's not Jeez. anyway it's a 10 okay yeah. diamond max drive get it right I have a quantum fireball in my system. Ooh. Oh, now we're talking. Six now gigabytes. Let's, let's go to Bigfoot, shall we? Five and a quarter inch discs. Oh, yeah. These are the days. The little grand macho of hard drives. <laughs> it truly was. Also takes up more storage space. Physical storage. Yeah, your, yes. your Windows install cannot exist on it, but you could use it as a second drive. I could store 17 pictures on it. Can I use it to cache my SSD? <laughs> yes. No. You could because use it, it to bash it, it runs at a blazing 23 megabytes per second. Hmm. Wait, is that sequential or random? What's the 4K performance on that? <laughs> How do you tell the difference? We're still, te- <laughs> we're still trying to finish the test. Right. It's been a couple of weeks. It'll get through it. All right, well, after that, uh, let's jump right on to uh, huge racks of Flash. Uh, And this one is actually kind of spiffy. Name a company that needs an obscene amount of data storage that needs to be ridiculously quick, and you should be thinking of Facebook. The NSA. It's pretty obvious. So what they're doing is using... Uh, what they call Worm ULC NAND flash. And yes, that is quad level. So each bit has 16 different... Uh, so there's four bits per cell, 16 individual voltage states for each cell. 
uh, replicating the data. So it's a little bit difficult in that you've got to be very precise when you're writing it. Reading it, you can be a little bit sloppier, but you're still going to have to error correct for just voltage migration. And you're also going to have to have something in there to stop that because that is incredibly tiny voltage differentials in a very incredibly tiny amount of space. On the other hand, these guys at this point are confident enough to come to market with it, so the chances are it's going to be pretty good. The catch is only good for about 150 write cycles. This is more intended for writing, and a bunch of people are reading it, but you're not actually writing to that cell again very often. If you're constantly changing your Steam library, ULC isn't going to be for you. If you've got something that you're constantly pulling from and just reading, not really writing much to it, this will be brilliant. Uh, so what they're talking about is, and I'm trying to find the uh, storage density that he was talking about. It was about 100 terabytes on a single PCIe cart. Uh, so about the same size you'd expect from, or same size you'd expect from a two and a half inch uh, SSD. But 100 terabytes. Needless to say, you'll be able to stack a bunch of these together <laughs> into a single one uh, U rack and just have gobs and gobs of available memory that is just ridiculously fast and ridiculously dense. I, I don't this, look forward to trying to write benchmarks for this. No. It's like the CD-ROM or DVD-ROM of Flash. Yeah. You can kind of write to it, but you, don't, you really don't want to. Yeah. It's kind of read-only. But if 5,000 people, or hell, if 50,000 people want to look at the exact same picture at the same time, no problem. There you go. All you can have it. No issues whatsoever. It, it's interesting and just sort of following how Facebook is dealing with uh, the storage aspect of their enterprise can be really fascinating because it's more than a little bit neat uh, in what they're, they're doing. Yeah, considering and, the de facto server for everyone's photos for everything now. Yeah. For People want fast access to their in you know their children's entire lives are on there from birth and who wants to wait for spinning media well and besides that way it makes it harder to rewrite your past right <laughs> true i'm sorry you you've reached your rewrite times and you're gone and then the last thing uh so that we can move on here uh before we completely derail the bus is samsung is announcing some brand, a new generation of vertical nand 64 layers worth. 64? 64. If only they could just come around. layers. Thank you. We're working on it. Thank you. We're working on it. That's that's non-orthogonal. Power 2. It's overrated. But it's 64 gigabytes per package? Uh, At 512 gigabit density? Yep. That's a lot. It's like a bit stripper die. So even the lower capacity ones are still going to see an improvement uh, because like the lower capacities with less channels on their controller, still going to see an improvement. Or you could go big, like say the 32 terabyte drive that Samsung is offering without a brand name because you don't need a brand name when you're 32 terabytes of SSD. If you have to ask for a brand name, you can't afford it. 
Wasn't it just like last week that we saw like the 15 terabyte drive and we were all kind of amazed? Uh, yeah. Who, who had that 60 terabyte for some uh, $15,000? Yeah. Or did they even announce a price? He just said, hey, look, here's a 60 terabyte drive. Yeah. Call us. You want it? Just give us your pin numbers and we'll take what we need. We only take Amex Black. My 128 gigabyte SSDs are just coasters now. I'm ashamed to even have them out in the open. Uh, like they've been replaced by a single die. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry, yeah. Two, die. two of these. You think about it, a 256 gig drive would just be four little yeah. NAND chips on a board. Oh, no, it's yeah. way less than that. Is it way less than that? It's already like that. So I think it's already two for like a drive that small. Okay, so 512 gigabit divided by eight. Yeah. Did the math. 64. Right. So you need four of those to make 256. Unless I'm missing something. You probably are, but I'm too lazy to look. Cache. Well, you need some uh, extra storage space so that uh, when your cells die, you can do it. They'll just throw an so extra this- 15 terabytes on the back end. An important distinction, too. Samsung is doing this 32 terabytes with this new 64-layer flash in a 2.5-inch form factor. Yep. Seagate's recently announced 60 terabyte drive is three and a half inches. So they're they're actually like cramming a lot more inside of that three and a half inch package. And Samsung is just doing this, I think, with their new NAND on a standard two and a half inch PCB. The smaller it is, the more expensive it is to replace when you break it. Yeah, exactly. Samsung... Man, in the Samsung T3, it's two terabytes in four packages because they're sixteen stack sixteen high in a package. Oh, okay. In okay. the in the H50 Evo, they're it, the one terabyte is four packages, eight dies a piece. So yeah, your two hundred fifty gig SSD is one package at most, maybe not even stacked up as high as it. No, can't they do like sixteen stacks anymore? Yeah, they can do 16. That's nice. Yep. So this this slide that shows a 64 layer at 512 gigabit density, that is for one layer then. Like one one finished uh, package, but they can stack the packages after that. It's one die, and they can stack yeah. dies. Okay, to make the... Okay. Storage density be going up. It's not 10 cents a gigabyte, oh, though. Obviously. No, it will know. not be. So that's lame. No, it will not be for a while. This time next year, who knows? This may be the crap-ass stuff that you've actually been giving away to relatives because you just can't bear to use it anymore. So, anyone want to talk about a fancy case with a nice sad panel? I can. Sebastian? This is called the Aurora, and don't be confused by the similarity to Dell's Alienware high-end PC name. It's just a case. It's a very nice case. It's got tempered glass on both sides. The rest of the the case is steel and plastic, though, to keep costs down. This is a $99 enclosure, but it looks really nice. This is like Inwin 303 kind of style, the high high style with RGB, of course, uh, support. Not just RGB, but SSD RGB. Yeah, that's. I've never seen this before. Inside, to the right of the motherboard tray, you have a, like a little slot 
to plug in your SSD and you can customize the lighting. And the glow apparently shines up the side of your SSD. So if you get like a, a silver, like a Plexer or an Intel SSD, you could put it in there and just have it glow any color you want. Yeah. So SSD style matters now. Don't worry about performance. Look for the label that's going to reflect the most light for the inside of your case. Will my 32-terabit drive reflect that more than a lesser drive? I guess you could, you could buy like custom skins, like get SSD skins. I could start a, a web store for this. I've already started the Etsy. Segment, okay. So we're good. SSD, Ken's SSD skins at Etsy.com. So they have they have a little product video if you look at the post on the website and the specs are good. This is your solid like mid tower that supports all the way up through EATX motherboards. It's got higher end features, very nice looking like cable routing with grommets and all the good stuff. So for ninety nine dollars, the fact that you're getting tempered glass on both sides is kind of a big deal. And I do like the fact that the component side is clear, the back side is a like a smoked glass. So if you don't have the neatest cable arrangement, it will help hide it, which in the past, the smoked tempered glass that I've used does really do a good job trying to hide that stuff. So that is the BitPhoenix Aurora. It's going to be available by the end of this month at that $99 price point. I did not see it listed anywhere yet for sale. Uh, It is a really nice side panel if you're obsessive in your modding and buy an RGB memory and RGB motherboard and RGB everything. You know, if you're going to buy that uh, Maximus 8 Extreme, you might as well get a case like this. Exactly. If you still have $100 left. (laughs) And so last up, we've got uh, high-powered, low-powered cards from AMD, which we should probably force Josh to talk about because he's... No! Why would I do such a thing? Rust bucket. Wait, say it again. Rosebud. Rosebud. Anyway. So, yeah, Asus. They're adding a couple of uh, Radeons. RX 470, RX 460. The 470, of course, is a cut down for 80. It's one uh, single. Is it an 8-pin still, or they go for 6 with this it's one? 6 on these. Mm-hmm. So they're not that much slower than the 480. I mean, yeah, they're cut down. They're 4 gigs, but they're kind of right in the area where, uh, you know, you'd expect them to be in terms of price. Uh, they're not heat monsters. They have a nice aesthetic appeal, and uh, they're they're quick. And, you know, it's under 200 bucks. What can you do with and that? Look at that 460, though, Josh. The, even the 460, the 460 has a six pin. That's the 460 is a six pin. Yeah, on this Strix yep. gaming version, it oh, is. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. there, there, a couple of people have put out ones that don't have a pin, eight pin or six pin. Right, because it's rated for under seventy five watts, so it's yeah. supposedly can just run on board power. But they've overclocked this, not mm-hmm. significantly, like twenty six to fifty three gigahertz or megahertz. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah. But it's monster. There's the six pin, so I don't know if that's for additional overclocking. I would assume, but the other mm. the other thing I noticed about this is the pricing. The RX 470 gaming overclocked is uh, one ninety nine, so the same price as a 
four gigabyte version of the RX 480 if you can find it at that price. But I'm sure probably pretty comparable performance once you overclock the 470. Yeah, but you can overclock the 480. Exactly. So now you're at $200. It's $10 less for the version that's less overclocked out of the box. And then you go down to the 460, it's still 139. 139 so, seem, seems pretty nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, 139 for a card with 896 shader cores and 128 bit memory bus. Yeah, but and, the difference between spending $139 for a graphics card and 189 is substantial at that price range. Yeah, I guess I'd have to look fi- at the performance of the RX 460 bu- versus like the 750 Ti or. It's. Just nice to see new graphics cards hitting like the sub 150 because we know Nvidia is yeah. not going to go there anytime soon. No, the uh, we'll be lucky if they hit won't. MSRP. The, what is the 460s? The the base 460 is like a hundred nine dollar card, right? I don't know. Yep. Should be. So you're getting about you're paying about a thirty dollar premium for an overbuilt card that you can overclock. So that's not too bad. And a better cooler. Oh, it's, yeah, significantly better cooler. It's smaller than the other two, and they're using a smaller uh, PCB, of course. It's a different card. But still a dual slot, still a dual fan. Nice. Ship those bad. products, AMD. You need them. And if you can get them in supply, you can beat NVIDIA because better the card you do have, the card you don't have. Yeah, you'll sell a lot if you have it in stock. It's hard to sell things when you don't have anything to sell, I've noticed. Really? Or at least it used to be. Now it's not quite as hard as it used to be, but still. Anyways, that's it for the news of the week. Uh, so we've just got some hardware software picks of the week, or at least theoretically we do. Show notes seem strangely empty. Mm. But then again, I go first. Hey. So, Well, just give me a second, all right? Yeah, I, I, I will stall for you. Saved my bacon. Uh, well, exclamation you know point. Ah, yeah, yeah. The bacon. And only seven dollars and ninety-five cents. No, not even that. Hey, it's well cheaper than mine. Well, yeah. I, I thought I had a problem of having too many Steam games until I caught this little subscription thing for Stream Crate, which is seventy percent off. Through Stack Social, which I've never used before, which means you get another extra 10% off. And so if you're not familiar with Steam Crate, you get 10 games every month on the 16th from Steam. They're almost always new. Uh, they are not necessarily AAA, although they have given away some AAAs in the past. And why not get 120 games for less than $100? This way your Steam library can get even more obnoxiously out of control and you can just sit there and stare at it and be paralyzed by choice and then have to go sit back down because you don't actually know what you're going to play. I'm going to need so, a bigger SSD. Uh, yeah. So if you're interested in that sort of thing or just you know want to pick up some relatively games you never would have thought of before from Steam because you'd actually have to pay money, now boom, they'll show up. It's not all going to be crap. And you might actually end up playing something you've never heard of before that ends up being something you really enjoy for a while. Regardless, you're going to get your money's worth. Just remember to unsubscribe about a year from now, because otherwise like, they will renew it at full price. Put a reminder in the calendar, kids. Was that enough time, Josh? 
Yeah, I, I got go. I got it going on. Mm. So anyway, my pick is a new webcam. No, <laughs> this well, one's perfectly fine. Captures sure. my uh, energy. Nasek, why? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, you know, this uh, week I, I had a, a newer laptop come to me with some issues, and uh, it was interestingly enough. Uh, Related to the anniversary update. But the guy had an MSATA drive. I didn't have a machine that I could read off of it. So, had one of these puppies. $7.29. It's the best $7.29 my company that I work for ever invested. Save time, money, and productivity. Fraction of the cost. Especially when a person is billing out at $129 an hour. This saved us. And it worked. It's not fancy. It's not pretty, but comedy never is. So, Did you get to bill for all the hours until it was delivered by Amazon? Uh, well, happily, somebody in the office had thought ahead of ordering me one of these and sending it to me six months ago. Wow. Oh. I know. My IT director, he's thinking. He's, he's a smart guy. Should, should probably order a uh, M.2 one at some point. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going to need to. Or I can just open up one of those motherboard boxes behind True. me that's got an M.2 adapter behind it. But True. neither here nor there. Four, seven, twenty-nine. Oh, man. Thank you. Sebastian's going to make me spend money. I just opened Thank his you. pick. This is such a nice <sighs> controller. I hate you. And Technoscope in the chat recently reviewed the SNES version of this. And... The, the quality is exceptional. Like in his video, he showed like the texture, like they got the texture right even on the SNES controller. It's exactly the same with this. If I take one of the original NES controllers, obviously this is a different design. This one incorporates more of the features of the uh, like Nintendo Wii era classic controllers. You have the dual analog joysticks. You have additional shoulder buttons on the top. You actually have R1 and R2 buttons up here. This functions okay, over USB or Bluetooth. What was that? That's getting way too complicated now. Yeah, I mean, it can be. You don't have to map all the buttons, but I, I picked this out specifically because it has any of the buttons you would ever need to map it to any emulator, basically. Mm. I could do PS2 emulation with this because I have dual shoulder buttons. Uh, you can do anything you could do with a classic controller, so all Nintendo stuff. And it works with iOS, Android, but unfortunately the Android, I believe, has to be rooted. I've not tried it yet. Um, Windows, Mac, and so far, just using it on my PC here, you would need a, a Bluetooth dongle or just use it with a cord. It's a very solid gamepad, and it feels fantastic. It's got very good like tactile feel. The buttons feel fantastic. It has a really good D-pad, which seems to be kind of an overlooked thing on controllers. So for just playing NES games or actually really playing any games... Is a very nice controller. Retails for thirty nine bucks. I think they sell it right on Amazon. I'll have to add the link in there. But the eight bit do or eight bit do. I'm not sure which one it is. <laughs> this is the NES thirty Pro. So what's the difference? Is there any functional difference between the NES and the SNES one? No, I think it's just the uh, just the styling. 
the styling, I I believe the mapping is actually fewer buttons on the SNES uh, one. It just has the single it, shoulder button on the right. And it doesn't have analog sticks. No, more it's pure. it's a pretty faithful reproduction of the SNES. This is more a a retro update to the classic controller hmm. from Nintendo. Hmm. And it lights up. I mean, that's it's kind of helpful when you're setting it up because the lights change. Like amber means one thing, blinking blue means another thing. So you kind of know what's going on as far as like the pairing process goes. But so far, so good on this controller. It basically looks as good in person as it does in the pictures on their website. It's a little bit more of a beige colored than plastic, but otherwise, very, very impressed. Oh man, they have a Famicom colored version. Do they? Oh, nice. They do. Uh, open, open. Ken should be showing this on the stream and not me. I'm opening. Uh, he should definitely show you. Oh, it looks like the uh, like the anniversary edition of the uh, Game Boy Micro. Yeah. Minus the screen. My, well, actually, the screen could be there. The Game Boy Micro had the smallest screen ever made. Yeah, I played a Game Boy Micro a couple weeks ago. And have your eyes recovered yet? No, they haven't. The, hey, the contrast is amazing and the, the brightness is exceptional, but it's Actually, like an inch the, and a half. The thing I had more of an issue with was how close together the buttons were. Like, yeah, I you need to de- be like a micro-sized person for it to work. I could deal with I could deal with the screen for a little bit, but like my I, I just kept jamming my fingers into buttons. So, yeah. I still I cannot believe how expensive those are on the used market. By the way, yeah, they 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 held their value, like two hundred bucks. And if you find one new, or Ken, you, you found one new. Yeah, you you cut out there, but yeah. oh, okay. go be fine. You'd have the grand macho. Of eBay purchases. If only I'd ever bought them and then left them in their boxes and still know where they were so I could sell them today. It's the American dream. We're planning on my part, I suppose. America. Anyways, that is going to bring this podcast to a wrap. Uh, After a bit of a stagger to get running, but uh, I think that we managed to get up and going and get through it. And... Next week, we will probably have an Alan and Orion back, although you never know. he they both been gallivanting across the planet uh, for a little while now. And they might not even be allowed out of their houses for a little bit because some people might actually want to see them. So with that, uh, this will wrap up Podcast 412. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Sebastian Peake. Hooray!